Welcome to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. As a veteran senior pastor, Dr. Sullivan understands the importance of Bible teaching in the spiritual growth and development of God's people. Dr. Sullivan's method of teaching the Bible is to read and carefully explain each chapter and verse in clear and understandable terms so the student of the Bible gains the full understanding of God's Word. Now prepare yourself to learn and grow as Dr. Sullivan teaches through the Bible. Hello. Welcome to another edition of Teaching Through the Bible. I'm Dr. Kenneth Sullivan. Today I'll be teaching through the book of 2 Timothy chapter 3. I'm reading as usual from the New International Version. I like to read from that version just because uh, that it makes things clearer. I'll be also quoting, of course, from the King James Version and from the New Living Translation. So grab your Bibles and let's get started. 2 Timothy chapter 3, beginning with verses 1 through 5. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God having a form of godliness and denying, but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Now, all the prophets agree that the last days will be dangerous or perilous times. Paul gives a, a long list of attitudes and conditions of people's hearts during the last days. This is such a, an extensive list that I'm, I'm going to try to put it into some kind of a a categorical form. I'm going to kind of categorize this. So uh, let's begin. First of all, people, the Bible says, will be lovers of themselves. People who love themselves can also be boastful and proud and conceited, Paul said, <clears throat> and rash, disobedient to parents, and ungrateful. People who are lovers of themselves are also selfish and self-centered, they're narcissistic, that is, they're focused on themselves. Secondly, Paul said people's, uh, the, the people of the last days will be lovers of money, that they will be preoccupied with money. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10, Paul said, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. That's the New Living Testament uh, translation. The love of money uh, is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. So the preoccupation with money, the obsession with money, causes people to drift away from the faith or drift away from God uh, because they're obsessed with, with the pursuit of money. Many of the things on this list can be tracked back to the love of money. Not every sin um, is from the love of money. There are sins of passion that have nothing to do with money. But, but uh, I think the, the New Living Translation, the NIV, uh, says it well when it says money is the root of all kinds of evil. People are making more and hoarding more money than they have in all of history. We, we, today we have billionaires where before, when I was growing up, People were aspiring to be millionaires. 
Most people were poor back in the 40s and the 50s and the 60s. But uh, now you have people who are, you have a, a, a wealthy middle class, we have a, a lower middle and upper middle class, in, at least in, in America. And uh, so people are hoarding money. And then we have the, the super rich who are the, uh, the billionaire class. And they're hoarding mo uh, money. And today, Congress members can be bought and sold by contribution to their campaign funds. And we can't even get good legislation passed because so many of our members of Congress are owned by, by the rich, by the super rich. Money has godlike qualities. It can get most of what people want. And, and some, of, uh, some people will do almost anything to get money. And that's why Jesus said that you can't serve God and money. You have to choose between the two. You can't serve God and mammon or money. Now, uh, there's nothing wrong with having money, but rich people are commanded to do good with their money. If, if, if you're a Christian and, and you have wealth, you're commanded, you have a great responsibility. You're commanded to do good with your wealth and to be rich in good works, 1 Timothy 6, 18. Rich people have a great responsibility. Um, Paul also said, in the last days, people will be without love. People without love are cold-hearted. They are brutal and, and abusive, and the Bible says treacherous and slanderous. They're unholy. They're not lovers of the good, and they are unforgiving. And Paul also said, in the last days, people be, will be lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. People whose God is, is pleasure are people without self-control. They feed their lusts for pleasure above all else. Paul predicted that godless people would have a form of godliness, but deny his power. A form of godliness, but denying the power is like a wolf in a sheep's costume, wolf in sheep's clothing. He likes, um, he can imitate a sheep. He walks like the sheep. He sounds like the sheep. But when he gets hungry, he has sheep for dinner. Uh, the costume or the, the clothing uh, of the wolf is just a thin veneer. It's just a covering. In other words, people will have all this corruption and cover it up with a thin veneer of godliness, a form of godliness. People who claim to be Christians but live like the devil uh, and call it grace have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. When people claim Jesus as Savior, but don't accept him as Lord, it's a form of godliness, but denying the power. When entertainers spew out profane and uh, blasphemous lyrics and tell profane and godless jokes and indulge in all kinds of uh, immorality and degrading performances, and then they turn around and thank God for their gift, thank God for what they're doing, they have a form of godliness. That is a thin veneer of godliness, but they deny its power. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and they follow me, John 10, 27. So if we are his sheep, we hear him, we hear what he's saying, we receive his teaching and we follow his teaching. Paul gave us a long list of godless attitudes that will dominate the thinking of people 
during the last days and bring dangerous and frightening times into play. Now, let's look at some of the ways that these attitudes are showing up in our society today, proving that we're living in the last days. Paul predicted that people would be lovers of pleasure. Uh, the opioid crisis today is an indication of that pleasure. Um, I know that people are saying that there are all kinds of reasons that people get on these things, and I, and I know that there are some there are some extenuating circumstances, but um, I believe that the greatest problem is that people are seeking pleasure through drugs. Um, and when, of course, when we had the crack epidemic and and uh, all of the stuff that was going through the uh, African American community, um, they didn't try to. Uh, make it respectable by putting some kind of veneer of, of or excuse over it and and make it seem like that the, the, the people who were using the drugs were victims. Now today with this opioid crisis, it's a different thing. Now they're saying that people are being victimized. They're being drawn into this because they were using, um, they were uh, using prescribed medication and, and, and then they just got hooked and, and now they're using this stuff. And, and I just don't buy that. I think that uh, uh, the vast majority of people today are pleasure seekers and they're getting on these drugs and it's not something that's respectable. Certainly, we want to do all that we can to help get people off drugs. But I think that the same thing applied in the African-American community. We should be trying to get people off drugs instead of locking up everybody and ravishing the, the community. But that's a different thing. But we're living in this time where uh, people are addicted to drugs, and we're and because of money, we're legalizing drugs. I predict that within the next ten years, every state in, in this country will have legalized marijuana and some other forms of drug. We're in the deadliest drug overdose crisis in the history of this country, or the history of the world, with nearly sixty-four thousand drug overdose deaths in one year. Paul predicted that people would be without love also. People are without love. People who are without love are cold-hearted and, and slanderous and, and, and abusive. They're treacherous. They're unholy. They're, they're unforgiving. In our day, a man named Dylan Roof murdered nine innocent people who were reaching out to him in love and kindness. And he took it into his heart to reject their overtures of, of grace and kindness toward him, and, and he murdered them. That's a person without love. In our day, every few weeks, another mass murder takes place. We have these school shootings so often un until uh, people are just accepting it as the norm. People are without love when they can walk in and, and just mow down people in mass. Every day, 318 people in America are shot in murders, assaults, suicides, and, and suicide attempts. People aren't without love. In our day, 40 to 50 million babies are aborted each year worldwide. That's 125,000 babies aborted every day. People are without love. In our day, we have sophisticated weapons precision killing machines that can rain death by the millions. These are dangerous times that we're living in. We are the first generation to possess the kinds of weapons that can destroy the world, this earth, 10 times over in our generation. 
In our day, terrorists are blowing people up and driving trucks and cars into crowds of people and finding other ways. They're inventing evil things in our day. We're living in dangerous times. We're living in the last days. Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be at the coming of the Son of Man, Matthew 24 and 37. So how was it in the days of Noah? Well, Genesis 6 and 13 in the New International Version says, so, so God said to Noah, I'm going to put an end to all people, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. So the main problem, the, the uh, overarching problem in Noah's day, the, the number one problem was a problem of violence. And we've come back to that time. Noah's day, Noah's world was filled with violence. Our world is filled with violence. We're in the last day before the return of Christ. In verse 5, after describing the wickedness of these people in the last days, Paul said, have nothing to do with such people. Paul is, of course, referring to those who claim to be believers and, and may even call themselves ministers who live ungodly lives. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 5.11, he said, I meant that you are not to associate with anyone who claims to be a believer, yet indulges in sexual sin, or is greedy, or worships idols, or is abusive, or is a drunkard, or cheats people. Don't even eat with such people, okay? So Paul is saying, be selective about who you hang with. He's not talking actually about the people in the world. He's talking about the people who claim to be uh, followers of Christ. He is saying that we should uh, be discriminating, be, be discerning about who we hook up with. Of course, people in the world, uh, God wants us to go to them, to gently try to, uh, to, to bring them, win them into the kingdom of God, uh, but he wants us to be watchful. There are false believers in almost every church, and of course, at the end of time, God will sort them out. Now look at verses six through seven. They are the kind who warm their way into the homes and gain control over gullible women who are loaded down with sins and swayed by all kinds of evil desires, always learning but never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Paul is referring here to corrupt, false teachers who crept into the church and are using the church as a platform to do evil. They are opportunists. They look for the weak and gullible to exploit and take advantage of. They are notorious for seeking out weak-willed women and taking advantage of them. This is what Paul said. Paul described these women as being susceptible to this type of seduction. They are the type, Paul says, who never seem to grow. They attend church and Bible study, but never apply the word. So they are stunted in their growth and, and their understanding, and they're easily exploited. Speaking about those who exploit the weak, Paul said, there are many who walk along the Christian road who are really enemies of the cross of Christ. Their future is eternal loss, for their God is their appetite. They are proud of what they should be ashamed of, and all they think about is this life here on earth. That's Philippians 3 and 18 through 19, uh, the Living Bible. Now, 
Let's look at verses 8 through 9. Just as Janes and Jambres opposed Moses, so also these teachers oppose the truth. They are men of depraved minds, who as far as the faith is concerned are rejected. But they will not get very far, because as in the case of those men, their folly will be clear to everyone. Now, Janes and Jambres that Paul referred to here in this passage were Pharaoh's two magicians who, who stood up against Moses and copied the first three miracles that Moses performed. But they couldn't, they didn't have any power to go beyond that. They were able to, and Moses threw his rod down and, and it turned to a serpent and, and they threw their rods down and it became serpents. And, and they were able to duplicate the first three of Moses's um, uh, miracles that he did, the wonders that he did. Uh, but they had no power beyond that. They were opposers of the truth. That's in Exodus uh, chapter 7 and 8. You can see that information. False teachers oppose the truth and exploit the church and weak church members. Their minds are depraved and reprobate and rejected. We see that among false teachers. There are also some false uh, worship leaders and, and choir people who who uh, will lead in worship and then uh, go and just live like the devil. Uh, and, and, and they are uh, influencing and uh, misleading the people of God. We have to be watchful of that. We have to root out that kind of stuff when we find it. Uh, their minds are depraved and reprobate, the Bible says. A reprobate is an unprincipled person. That is, uh, a scoundrel or a, a rascal, a, a degenerate who will do anything for money or to feed uh, his, his, his or her lust for pleasure. Paul says false teachers will not get far because they'll be ex exposed as frauds and deceivers just as Jenny's and, and Jambres were. They, were. they were shown not to be real. They were shown to be false. Uh, when they got to the end of their miracles and Moses kept on working miracles by the, by the hand of God and great signs, and, and, and they had to admit that this was indeed the finger of God. In the face of God's true miracles, they were exposed as phonies and frauds. Now look at verses 10 through 13. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, the persecutions I endure. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, anyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, while evildoers evil and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. Paul contrasted his lifestyle and his teachings against that of the false teachers. He urges Timothy to carefully follow his teachings and imitate, imitate his lifestyle. Paul said, unlike these false teachers, you saw how I lived my life. You saw that I was honest and, and I was trustworthy, that I, that I cared about the people and I didn't deceive anyone. And I represented Christ as best I could. Uh, Paul mentions the things that he suffered as he's sharing with, uh, with Timothy. He's, he's letting Timothy know that when you determine to live for God, when, when you put down your stake 
on God's territory and you determine that you're going to live for him, you're going to suffer persecution. And Paul is saying that uh, a part of the evidence uh, of, of my, my authenticity, that I am really an apostle of Christ, is the suffering that I endure for Christ. So he mentions that suffering and he says, whoever will live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Paul had been mobbed and stoned and left for dead. He'd been flogged and thrown in jail um, in Philippi, and he had been shipwrecked numerous times. And Timothy witnessed some of these trials and knew that Paul was completely devoted to the truth. Now, it's important to know as a Christian that everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So don't think it's a strange thing when people come against you for doing what you know is right. Uh, when you suffer some persecution for doing what you know is, is right, the Bible says evildoers will grow worse and worse as time progresses. And as evildoers grow worse and worse, so will persecution. Uh, so the increase in the evildoers and the increase in the wickedness is going to have an impact on persecution. It's going to increase the persecution of the people of God. But uh, we have the assurance that God is with us, that God will deliver us through everything that we go through, and that we will be greatly rewarded for our patience. Now I'm reading verses 14 through 15. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. Paul urged Timothy to continue to live by the truth he had learned. Timothy knew that Paul and the other Christians, uh, the other Christian leaders that he had been under, who had taught him and, and led him, were honest uh, people of integrity. An honest and trustworthy person can more effectively convince someone of the truth than a dishonest person. Timothy had his own spiritual experience, and he knew the scriptures well, even from a child. But the witness of honest people who, who were over him and, and modeled righteousness and godliness had a great impact on his life and added to the, to the weight of his faith. Verse 15 says, the Holy Scriptures have the power to make us wise to salvation. They give us the wisdom to, to seek the Lord's salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. The Scriptures open our eyes to the truth of the gospel and give us the wisdom and knowledge of the fear of God. Proverbs 10 and 1 in the NIV says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. True wisdom begins when we have enough sense to yield our lives to God. That's where it starts. There are atheists who have intellectual knowledge and, and great uh, secular education, but they lack the wisdom and the knowledge that determines their own eternal destiny. Uh, and that's everything. For the Bible says, For what shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? That's Mark 8, 36. So what does it profit to have all of these degrees? And, and I'm an advocate for education. I think that we should get all that we, 
that we can get. I think that we should learn all that we should uh, that we can learn. The Bible tells us that. It says uh, the wise person stores up knowledge. But it doesn't matter how much education you get if you don't believe God and you don't yield yourself to God, it's all a waste. It's going to die when you die and you're going to lose your soul despite all the education. You haven't began on the path to wisdom until you're willing to humble yourself and acknowledge God and receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your heart and life. Now I'm reading verses 16 through 17. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Paul explains the power that the scriptures have in making us wise unto salvation. All scripture, Paul says, is God-breathed or given by the inspiration of God. And scripture is used for teaching, number one, for teaching, explaining and making clear the will of God, okay? Secondly, scripture is used for rebuking. To rebuke is to express sharp, stern disapproval. So when people get off track, we can use the scripture to rebuke them. That is, when they, when they get stubbornly off track. We are to gently correct people when they just drift, drift away. But when people get stubborn in their rebellion, then we have to uh, up it a notch. And we have to re rebuke and reprove. Scriptures are used to condemn and to rebuke conduct or behavior that violates the clear teachings of scripture. And then number three, scripture is used for correcting. To correct is to put right. To change wrong behavior into right behavior. And scripture is used to do that. And then uh, fourthly, scripture is used in training in righteousness. Training in righteousness is teaching people how to do what is right and pleasing to God. David said, teach me your ways, O Lord that I may live according to your truth. That's Psalm 86 and 11, uh, 86 and 11 in the New Living Testament. We come to God in ignorance and must be taught to live righteous lives. We have to be taught, we have to be trained to live the kind of lifestyles that are pleasing to God. That's why God established churches and called and anointed and equipped pastors and other ministers. Isaiah 3.15 says, And I will give you pastors after my, according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. So God has given pastors and he given churches um, for people to go and learn. The church is like the schoolhouse. That's why it's important to be faithful in church attendance because every time you miss, you miss something that you need. So we don't have the option to be uh, casual and cavalier about church attendance. If we're on fire for God, if we're passionate for God, we'll make our way to the church house and we'll sit under the, the teaching uh, that, that God is, is, has equipped the ministers there to give us. God commands us, let us not stay away from church meetings. Some people are doing this all the time, that is staying away from church meetings. Comfort each other as you see the day of his return coming near. That's Hebrews 10.25 in the New Living Translation. Finally, verse 17 says, 
Scripture is useful for thoroughly equipping God's people for every good work. So we see that the scripture, of course, is God-breathed. It is given by the inspiration of God, and it is used for all of these purpose, purposes, for teaching, for, for training, for equipping in righteousness, for exhorting and rebuking and correcting uh, the scripture because it is solid and true and sound. It is used to, to grow us and correct us and make us right with God. God sets ministers in the church with different gifts who use the God-inspired word, the scriptures, for the equipping for every person to do good works. Now, Ephesians 4, 11 through 12 in the, in, and in the New Living Translation says, Now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church, the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. So don't listen to people who tell you that going to church is not important. Don't listen to people who have quit going to church because they got hurt. Of course, you're going to get hurt in the church because the church is a family. It's like a hospital. It's where people are being taught and people are being um, healed and cared for and and people are being brought along. It's a family, people of different levels. And some people are going to hurt you. You're going to get hurt, and you're going to hurt some people. But we can't just walk away from the institution because we're hurt. We have to get it right, get it straight, because the benefits of church attendance far outweigh uh, the deficits, the injuries that you might uh, incur there. You're going to be corrected by the, by the pastor when you're wrong, just through the word. And some people don't want to abide that. So we have to uh, uh, value the church, go and learn and grow and let God use you because that's going to be God's launching pad for your life. God is going to direct you from the wisdom that is in the church. People who are against the church are contradicting scripture. They're going against the word of God. They're fighting against God's plan for spiritual growth and maturity for every Christian. Every time you miss church, you miss something God intends for you to have or something that you need. So you don't want to neglect that. Try to get to the church house every time the doors open. Well, that brings us to the close of today's study in 2 Timothy chapter 3. Next week, I'll be teaching in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. Friend, if you live in the Indianapolis area, come visit us at New Direction Church, where my son, Kenneth Sullivan Jr., is the lead pastor, and he's doing an awesome job. Our East Campus is located on East 38th Street, 38th and Hawthorne Streets, and our North Campus is located at 86th and Hague Road. Our service times are 8.30 a.m. and 10.30 a.m. on 38th Street and 10 a.m. on 86th Street. Hope to see you at one of our services. And until then, thank you for joining us. Until next time, God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Teaching Through the Bible with Dr. Ken Sullivan. We hope this program has benefited you in your Christian walk. For a free download of this program and to browse Dr. Sullivan's books, videos, and audio titles, visit our website at EmergeCurriculum.com. Please tune into our next teaching session on Vision Stream Network or listen on demand from our podcast. Trust you've enjoyed this teaching. 
I want you to know that my book, Teach Me About Heaven, it's available on Amazon.com or you can get it at www.emergecurriculum.com.